Hey guys, welcome to Fumble Around Detroit Sports. I am your host, Tom Steinman. Things are a little bit different today, guys. Uh, you can make do what you can, but I thought this was a, a very important uh, guest I have coming on. I'm excited to have him on. Talking a lot of baseball. Uh, all you fantasy baseball nerds, those of you in my league will probably now know about this gentleman. Uh, I'm excited to have him on. Uh, he's got a very good analytical mind. And I'm excited because he's also seems like, I don't know a person, but it seems like a, uh, a decent human being. He is somebody who uh, is on the forefront of inclusion, of it, trying to, uh, man, sorry guys, off camera view, uh, trying to bring in more people into the realm of fantasy baseball. Um, him, he started, uh, I'll let him speak on it. Let's bring him in real quick. Let me get this layout, Shane. And welcome, Alex Fast. Thank you, sir. Hey man, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah. I'm doing great. Thank you for that very kind introduction. Uh, I'm I'm loving the uh, the Expos hat. I think that's fantastic, and I'm I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate that. So, Montreal Expos is my fantasy baseball team. So the league is called Back to the Future mm-hmm. Fantasy Baseball. So you're allowed to select any team that is uh, a former Major League Baseball team and stuff like that. So like the Expos, I like to wear my gear. I'm back to back champs. Uh, which I'm very proud of. Um, we're playing this year, but we stopped our dynasty league because of, as you know, all the craziness. And so uh, we have a lot of funds involved. So we just thought it would be a good time to take a break. And uh, every year uh, we have new rules that we vote on and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, some of the people were wanting to go to a prince league and stuff like that, even though it didn't look like it was going to go past. So uh, we're actually trying new things. We're on fan tracks this year. Oh, nice. I don't like it though, actually. Uh, not as big on fan tracks, but on the layout and stuff like that. I uh, no, not. I'm sorry, not fan, but the uh, the points, the points, uh, the points. Itself. All right, not fan tracks itself. Yeah, uh, points. Of- it can be much trickier. It's like uh, trying to figure out what the the I, I, my my biggest home league is a points league as well, and the quote unquote winter meetings that we have are perpetually rife with arguments. I mean, it's just everyone kind of talking about, well, you know, earned runs are a little bit too much. K's are a little bit too much home runs. Well, I don't know. What about stolen bases? Should stolen bases be worth more because there's fewer of them? Should it be worth less because no one's doing it? So I I can totally understand. It it just never seems to perfectly work out. And I just hope one day someone will figure out what the perfect points league setting is, but it's not going to be me. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, so we play Yahoo uh, five by five. Uh, mm-hmm. weekly matchup. We have divisions. I don't know if you saw like, like so we have divisions. You yeah. play your own division more times than you play other people. You get prizes for winning your division and stuff like that. So um, I like I like the the strategy that comes with playing an opponent. And our playoffs are like super tight. Like sometimes you tie and it goes to the advantage of like who had the better home to home record. Um, for just my big league, I like that style of play personally. Um, and so, as you saw, I, I sent you our constitution. How many yeah. pages is it? It's, it's like uh, pages, I, I have the PDF pulled up here. I was it's thirteen pages and then eight point seven sections. Eight sections with right. you know, it's it's impressive. It's certainly impressive. We have a commissioner. This guy is great. So this has been formed for like over ten years. We even had almost like I you would almost call like a civil war a little bit where some <laughs> people left. And what I left right and he had mike trout for like zero dollars and i don't know why he left like i know he was like with like there's like four people four or five people that kind of left at the same time we had to replace them all at 
was that was probably the the craziest point. That was like six seven years ago or something. And uh, but he had Mike Trout for nothing because before we started, because we started this you know a, a yearly league, right? Sure. And then we're like, what if somebody gets like an Albert Pujols, right, for nothing? And literally, someone got better, you know, someone better than uh, yeah. Yeah. than uh, Albert Pujols. So he would have Mike Trout for nothing. Right now, uh, so Mike, so what we did is when we replaced those four teams. We allowed them to have a draft of all their eligible keepers. Sure. But we threw Mike Trout back in because we're like, we can have this guy for nothing. And he yeah. went in the draft. And it cost $150. Wow. So, and he's kept on my team right now for like, he's like, he cost me like 160 right now to keep. So just in that one player. So did you understand how the taxes work? The taxes were, uh, you might have to break down the taxes for me. I, there were a lot of things that were like, I mean, it's a lot in a good way. I mean, like this is, you need this sort of structure, but like, I like the way that you broke down the weekly free agent acquisition budget with the first two being free and then kind of incrementally increasing it. The trade acquisition thing I thought was wild. I've never seen anything like that trade acquisition cost or whatever it was. That's insane. So I think you're, are you talking about the auctions that we offer? No, we're talking about the the uh, uh, the trade fees. Okay, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, we have fees for everything basically. Uh, so our first year that we did the taxes. Okay, so this is what came. Okay, so the first year we expanded it from a hundred dollar like per person. We're like, let's just play for like whatever you spend, you get, and we set a cap to like five hundred. So some people would spend like two hundred, some people would spend all the way up to five hundred. They're max. As we got a new guy that came in, because it was like this, the year of all that like craziness happened. So this new sure. guy is like, in, the, in his first season, he was like, I don't want to start anything. I'm just curious. Why is there a cap? We're like, I don't know. Why is there a cap? And mm. so we're like, okay, if we don't want a cap, what can we do? So it's not just like somebody who has way more money than everybody else just wins because they literally buy everybody. Sure. So we decided on percentages of taxes. And the first one we did was just 100% after 500 so your first $100 tax free. The next $100 would be like an extra 100 bucks would cost you, right? 100% tax. Sure. Uh, so every $100 is $200 basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one guy still spent like $2,700 when the next guy was like $1,400. So we're like, okay, now we got to re, we got to renegotiate, talk about like the taxes and stuff like that because that was a bit crazy. Even though he did not win, he came in second but did not win. And then uh, so now we have the $500 tax-free. The next $100 is at 100%. Anything after that is 200%. So every And this is real money. All real money. Or units or whatever you want to call it. I don't sure. know technically what the laws and stuff. But. So uh, you have people who spend like $1,800. bucks. The people who spend like $300. Uh, you shot. And so some teams are small, like, you know, Oakland A's or the Rays type. They try to, you know, win amounts for, you know, not putting much in. Sure. And then, so you can also, another thing you do is like, sometimes it's hard to trade people, right? Like, especially with the vetoes allowed in the league. Mm. Uh, you even, it takes time to make a trade and then you get one to accept and then the league vetoes it anyways. I had one, I had, I traded John Gray last year for Wander Franco and the league vetoed it. Uh, they said John Gray was crap, even though pitchers were going for a ton at that time. And, but whatever. And uh, so, but you could sell a guy and he just goes on auction to the highest bidder. So one year, Manny Machado got sold a few years ago and he went for $500. The whole budget, that's the most you could go for like, cause you're using next, it's like next year's money. 
right? Yeah. Like yeah. you're it's like uh so but you can't go more than your five hundred. So they spent five hundred. So the next year he was already starting in tax and stuff like that. So it's like as real as it's like the almost as real as you can get to like owning oh, like yeah. a real major league team and how they play and taxes and some people don't care. Some people are always like stacking up on the young guys and stuff like that. Something tells me you're not playing this with, with other teachers. Are you? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, this is actually mostly high school friends and stuff like that. I would say sure. yeah, high school people that I know locally. Uh, like my roommate, uh, Adam, he is uh, like the best commissioner. I don't know how he's handled this because there's like so much drama of course. And like, he's just always calm. I mean, we're playing for a lot of money. So yeah. it, I feel like it adds on a little bit. And so people get heated and upset. And, uh, but he did a really good job of like keeping very calm. There's a, there's a glitch in Yahoo. So listen to this, right? There's a glitch in Yahoo. If you make a trade, I did not know this, but one of the league guys figured it out and it like caused chaos because we didn't know what's going on. So if me and you make a trade, right? Yeah. But say you're giving me, you're going to give me two guys and I'm giving you one guy. So I got to have to, I'm going to have to drop a guy when the, uh, when the trade goes through, I have to select sure. the guy, right. To be dropped when it goes through. But if you select the guy that wants to be dropped, he's got to stay on your team until the trade's over. Uh-huh. Right. So somebody found out that if you drop the guy before the trade goes, like before you accept the trade, that means you have one less guy on your roster spot. So then you can use that roster spot to add people and drop them while the trade is like it could have sure. like five days for the trade to go through. Well, he would hold the guy and then the trade would get canceled because he had too many guys. So we were like, what the heck is going on? And like Yahoo, like they know it's a problem, but they won't like they can't fix, fix it. it. Yeah. They can't fix it. Yeah, it must be already be in the programming or something. It must be so they have a guy named Steve on Yahoo who just like answers this question over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> brutal. Yeah, there was two trades that went through, and the same guy did it both times. It just messed everything up. So high tense, and then also, uh, so what also happened? So at the very last day of the regular season, uh, there two teams were close to like making the like the last spot of the playoffs, and one guy had Bryce Harper going in Sunday night, but he was like. He did. He he already made his spot in. Only Bryce Harper could lose him, basically. Like there were okay. three teams that were all close, and he sat Bryce Harper. And another guy got mad because he's like, "What are you doing? I need you to beat this other guy." But the guy's like, "No, if he loses me OVP, I lose." Like it. And oh man, luckily Bryce Harper didn't do anything that day, so it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> sure. But holy moly, like the yeah. last day of the season. People don't get how high the stakes can get in leagues like this. You know, you dedicate so much time to things like this. You don't realize that sometimes it can come down to like the simplest of things that make or break your entire, you know, your season. You know, it's, it's, it's the reason why it's so exciting to play. Uh, Mike Trout in the semifinals hit his home, home run in his last at bat in the semifinals. Like we make the most stressful week for us. Cause like, once you make the finals, like, the, like you're already in like the good money. And a lot of sure. times you're like, Hey dude, you want to even like break it up even more? Cause, I'm done. Like at that point, you're so exhausted. And so, but Mike Trout, I see some crazy stuff. Uh, like, so I had a roommate and uh, a buddy came over to come hang out and watch like the Sunday night game and celebrate with him. Cause he thought he already won. Like he was up three home runs. I don't know if you remember this. There was like a game. Ubaldo Jimenez was pitching for uh, Baltimore. And also I want to say Selman. It was like for the Mets. It was the last mm-hmm. two guys on Yahoo to pick up 
three pitchers for Sunday. I picked them up. They like both like no runs, like five, six innings apiece. I believe it was Buck Showalter pitching. And like Ubaldo was terrible at that time. No offense yeah. to the guy, but he wasn't a very good pitcher. And like it was, I was not confident. So they gave you enough to win that. And then like the guy I played was my roommate, actually. He was like, oh, great. Well, then he took home runs. He had a three home run lead and Sunday, middle of the day. Next thing you know, like Correa, J.D. Martinez, and then Mike Trout hit like with like their last at bat. And like people already thought he won. And like he was so furious because he was like coming over like, come on, let's go celebrate. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's like, dude, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. That sucks. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of guys uh, watching this are going to be our Tigers. And Tigers are actually five to five right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're a Baltimore Orioles fan. Let me get that across. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're five and four right now. Is that correct? Uh, yes, they're five and four. They lost to the Marlins last night, and I believe they're currently losing one nothing to Eliezer Hernandez and the Marlins. I remember seeing that. Uh, yeah. So we're both familiar boats, I would say, uh, last few years in our favorite teams and how they're doing and rebuilding. Uh, how do you feel comparison actually to those two? Do you like one rebuild better than the other right now? Um. Yeah, you know, I I think we're both in good positions when it comes to our starting pitching right now. I mean, I think I, I would envy what the Tigers are doing right now with Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal and Matt Manning. I mean, you're talking about three guys with really electric fastballs that are going to come up. And, you know, any if, if even if one of those guys hits their the ceiling that, you know, you're thinking of, if they hold on to Matthew Boyd and you have, you know, let's say it's Manning who really hits a ceiling and it's Manning, Boyd, Turnbull, uh, and then Mize and Scooble. That's that's a really, really good one through five. And, you know, I, a lot of people might be listening to this right now and thinking, well, I don't know about Matthew Boyd. I mean, look at him. He gave up so many home runs last year. He's had a terrible start to the 2020 campaign. Um, you know, we facetiously over a pitcher list call ourselves Boyd boys because we're really excited about Matthew Boyd. I mean, I, I was I'm kind of uh, shocked to see his poor performance this year. Um, I'm learning a lot about him and, you know, we were fortunate enough to interview him, which was really, really exciting. And he's a great, great guy. Um, I was really excited coming into the 2020 season about him because he's, we already know he has the electric slider, right? It's a wipeout slider. You know, he went to driveline this off season. He increased his fastball velocity by a tick or two. And then he started showcasing that change up more and then had a, a kind of show me curveball that made him really exciting. I remember seeing this changeup against DJ LeMahieu in spring training, and it was just fantastic. I mean, he was getting this batting champion to wipe out against this changeup. Um, now, what we're learning in the 2020 season is all of his success is predicated upon the feel for a slider. You know what I mean? And that's a little bit scary because it means that, you know, as you saw in that first start against Cincinnati, he doesn't really have another pitch right now that he can get whiffs on. Right. Uh, Once he has that slider, the other the the changeup and the curveball can kind of follow suit. And that's really exciting. Um, But the fastball, because of its lower velocity, despite his kind of pinpoint accuracy with it. It still really, really needs, and I'm talking about the four-seamer, not even the sinker. The four-seamer needs that slider to play off of. Yeah. Now, when it hits, it it's the the sky can really be the limit for him. It just really needs to all fall together for him right now. Yeah. I really like your overlays that you do on Twitter and stuff oh, like thanks. that. So you'll show like uh, the same arm angle for pitchers of like the two pitches and like watching them like just split apart basically. And that's what you're kind of like looking for, right? When you know you want to be deceptive. And you want to think uh, certain pitches coming in the, you know, like the bottom drops out at the same time. Sure. So you do a really good job of that. Uh, Matthew Boyd, uh, 
they almost traded him. I mean, they were trying to like kind of shop him last year and it didn't sound like they were getting what they wanted. They had a high asking price and for good reason. I mean, the guy was performing really well and he's got a lot of years on his contract. So uh, do you think they'll maybe trade him or do you think the plan is now maybe hold on to him? I think, I mean, I think it could be traded at some point. I mean, I think about the, the, the politics of the season though, right now, right? You're on a condensed season and he's not necessarily starting out right. So I don't know if they're going to find an organization that's going to be able to value him the, the way that they value him. We all knew that the asking price yeah. from the, from the Tigers last year, as you said, was pretty sky high. They felt they had a lot of potential in him and he was fantastic for a long string of starts there before he, he gave up all those home runs and like a six game sample size. Um, and so the politics, the optics of it is, well, I don't know. Boyd lost his feel for his slider. Why am I going to give you any top five prospects for a guy who doesn't have a feel for his slider right now? So there could be an instance where the Tigers say, hey, you know what? Maybe we're going to have to hold. And listen, the, 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 the season is so fluid right now. You know what I mean? 30 minutes oh, yeah. ago, Max Scherzer left in the first inning for an injury that we're not quite sure of yet. You know, guys are getting oh, well, injured. I mean, it just happened. I mean, that, that's just kind of yeah. how crazy the season is right wow. now, you know? Yeah. So yeah. we don't know what to expect. We don't know. You know, right now, the Braves could really use a starting pitcher with Mike Fultinevich being ineffective and Mike Soroka out for the season. So you don't know. You also don't know if the Braves are going to say, hey, you know what? It's a 60-game yeah. season. We're just going to chalk it up to that, and we'll start again next year and win our championship then. Or they say, hey, you know, all right, take this okay prospect and give us Matthew Boyd. I'm really curious to see how this, you know, this trade deadline is going to play out. I think the Tigers be wiser to hold on for a little bit. That, that is going to be very interesting. You know, how much will teams be willing to go for it this year? Uh, you know, and what they will give up in prospects. And is it is this the same? You know, is this is this the same for these guys winning it this year as it would compared to other years? Because like, you're not really playing the team's best right right now because of like so many things, fluid things that are going on with COVID and injuries because of stop and starting and i don't think players are quite in the right shape maybe some of these guys that you know for baseball um without the proper spring training and stuff like that so it'll be very curious because if the tigers do fall out i'll be curious to see like some of those veterans that are doing decently well like crone and scope you know will those bring anything back i personally feel like avila hasn't done a great job we're getting a return on anything that he's really sure. traded out uh, J.D. Martinez didn't really attract anything when he traded his Alex Avila and Alex Wilson, I believe, to the Cubs. Didn't bring much. Um, kudos, J.D. There's uh, Verlander. We had trade Verlander. I know that uh, actually a little bit before we did, like it was looking like nobody really wanted him because he wasn't yeah. proven and he was old. But then he like killed it, and then they were able to trade him at the waiver wire. But we didn't didn't get much back. I think the even only Shane Green too. Yeah, right to uh, Atlanta, right? Did he go to, yeah, yep. Atlanta, yeah. And, and we just, yeah, we just have not been able to, I feel like the same with the Lions. I don't know if you're how much of a football fan you are, but I feel like the Lions, like as GMs, you got to be smart and know like when to move and how to make moves, I guess. And I just I, feel like, yeah, I, I'm very, very fortunate that I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan. So while I, as frustrating as the Orioles can be, the Ravens have been a pleasure to watch for a while. Yeah. That's nice. Yes, uh, they have been, right? Uh, I mean, since Trent Dilfer and the Ravens with the yes. Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> and then Elvis Gerback for a little while. We had him for a little while. That's Some crazy. Dumping. Like, winning with, like, Dil like a guy that's just, just don't mess up, basically, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, hand the ball off, throw it maybe 15 to 20 times. Short 100%. Passes. And now he's a Super Bowl champion, which is insane. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, not so lucky here. Lions, uh, I've tried to like sell my allegiance to other people, but no one's buying it still. But yeah, I don't <laughs> want to be like, it's so dreadful. It's been 30 years of just like, yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Uh, which, uh, I mean, Detroit sports, I, I started a, a Detroit sports podcast show as soon as like every Detroit sports was like not doing well. I mean, the Red Wings, the Lions, sure. baseball, uh, it's all bad. Uh, I did. I used to live downtown Detroit, right? Uh, mm-hmm. If you watch a Comerica game and you see the view out, there's a building with uh, like whales on it. I don't sure, know yeah. If you know what I'm yep. about. Yeah, I, I do. Used to live in that, I lived in that building on the 27th floor. They like redid it and they opened it up. Probably like whatever year it was. It was the year that because uh, we could see the whole field. It was like a great two seasons. Uh, we got to see the whole field, and the Tigers were supposed to win it all, and they lost to the Baltimore Orioles. I believe with the wild card. It was just like, I don't even know how they, like, I still, we had like the best game ever, I thought. Mm. And somehow Baltimore came in. What, what happened? Was that the, wait, was that the Delman Young double year? Was that the year that we swept you guys in the, in the AL? Uh, yeah, I think it was like 2012 or 2014. Yeah, yeah. that was wild. Cause I remember your, I remember there's a famous photo that I has my Twitter profile picture for a while. That was, uh, uh, I think it was Adam Jones holding a photo for Nick Barkakis and it had Verlander crossed off Scherzer crossed off. And then like, I think we beat Porcello in game three. Uh, yeah, it, that, yeah. that pitching staff was insane, but I remember it was the year of Jabba Chamberlain and the, the bullpen just couldn't keep it together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Uh, that's been a big issue of Dabrowski and uh, Tigers. Like the whole, his whole tenure years, like our bullpen was never good. Best starting pitching, arguably best offense when you had, you know, Miguel Cabrera winning triple crowns and totally. uh, Victor Martita, JD Martita, just, it was crushing. Ian Kinsler. I mean, the teams were so, so good for not to win a championship. It was very disappointing. And uh, we were super excited, like living downtown and like people weren't even coming to like hang out with us for the Orioles game because they thought like that was like not even a series really. Like it was yeah. going to the next one. It was, so it was very heartbreaking. I will uh, say I, I was fortunate enough, a buddy of mine, a couple of years ago, I think it was three years ago for my birthday, you know, we're trying to go see as many baseball stadiums as we can. Uh, and the Orioles were playing the Tigers. So we took a little, you know, crappy Spirit Airlines plane out to, to Detroit. Um, and I have to say, I mean, I think I don't think Comerica gets enough love as a, as a stadium. I think in, in some ways it's, you know, it's it seems clearly modeled after Camden Yards and the fact that it's an open skyline looking over a downtown area. But what I really enjoyed about it that Camden Yards doesn't have is the open um, concourse, yeah. right? The fact that you can yeah. walk in and immediately see the field. And, and we, we sat two places. We sat, uh, we, we, we spent one game where we kind of splurged and sat like six rows back from uh, um, from the Orioles dugout. And then the second game we sat up in the, you know, kind of the nosebleeds in left field. Um, and I got to say, man, those fans were dedicated and they were so excited to be there and they knew that the product on the field wasn't great, but they were just so excited to be watching a baseball game. And I was just, I spent way too much money on an Al line jersey that I still have oh. in my closet right now. That's like a felt, you know, like Mitchell and Ness Al line jersey because I, yeah, I love that he was from Baltimore and he was just a contact machine. But I got to say that that stadium, I it, it never gets enough love. And I think it's a really, really nice stadium. Yeah, you always hear about like what, like Pittsburgh, PNC Park. I feel like it's a lot of love. Uh, San Francisco, uh, mm-hmm. it's a nice one. But yeah, not too. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think it is pretty nice. I've been to a ton. I've been to like Progressive Field and uh, like St. Louis Bush Stadium, but not yeah, but not too many, too many others. And uh, I got a question. Uh, how did you? When did you get into fantasy baseball? 
like were you a baseball player yourself or anything or no believe it or not so i was actually uh uh i went to nyu uh graduated in 2006 for theater um so i did theater in new york city for about eight to ten years um doing off-broadway work and and uh commercial and film and all that stuff for a really long time um and wasn't really into to uh, i was still a big orioles fan obviously this was in the 13 year period where we didn't have a winning season and you know it, it, you know it just wasn't a great time in, in anyone's life you know it was like the years where we were signing you know sammy sosa and vladimir guerrero jr and you know like albert bell yeah. and they would like you know just sign these big names so they would get butts in the seats and they were so terrible um so i was keeping track of the orioles but i wasn't really into fantasy and then i think around like Man, it had to have been like 2011, 2012. A buddy of mine kind of dragged me into a league and I just became head over heels obsessed with it. I mean, you know how it is. You just kind of fall into it yeah. real quick. And what I loved the most about it was that it was an opportunity to, to learn even more about the sport. At the time, I was just a big Orioles fans and I knew peripherally, of course, about all the other teams, but I wasn't, I couldn't name the rotation of every single team like I can now, you know? Um, so I, I kind of fell in love with it that way. Um, and then I, as I kind of uh, got more into it, I, I realized that it would be fun to write about baseball. At the time, I was doing these like 10 page write ups of fantasy baseball, you know, what we did, you know, like just these crazy write ups of all the things that happened that week. Um, and I sent one of those to Nick Pollock, who's the head of Pitcher List. And he said, Well, if anyone's writing this much about their own league, he's a lunatic and he should probably be writing for, for our website. Um, so I said, well, have you ever started a podcast? And, you know, we, we, we started this podcast called on the corner um, and you can check it out, you know, on Twitter at pitchless.com or on at Alex fast eight. Um, and we started doing that. And then oddly enough, I, I, I left the industry. I left the acting industry and I went to grad school for interactive telecommunication, studying like AR and VR and stuff like that. But all the pr programming that I was learning and all the things that I was learning, I just wanted to apply to baseball. That's all I wanted to do. Um, it just made it a much more interesting way for me to learn. You know, when, when you're like, if it's a, instead of a project about like AR, it's a project about like learning about how to enter, you know, uh, um, databases into SQL, like it just becomes a lot more interesting. Um, so I started doing that and then won a hackathon, like an MLB hackathon, and then started working at MLB. It was, it took a really weird journey. You know what I mean? It was like six years ago, I was doing acting. And now here I am talking to you about, you know, about Matthew Boyd. It's been fun and it's been wild, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just like you, I just kind of like started playing and just fell in love with it, man. It's, it's so much fun. Yeah. You remind me of my roommate, Adam, who is the commish, because he literally, like, he started, we probably started, we didn't start together. I had a friend, from, I went to Eastern Michigan, a friend from one of my classes asked me to play. It was a free league, and then he played with uh, the other guy, uh, and then the next year we came together. But he knew nothing about baseball. Literally, like, they had a six-man league, and he showed it, like, they were like, hey, can you play with us? We need a six guy. They're like, okay, I guess. Uh, but now, like, He's used it because he was going to like do events for uh, business and like uh, finance, like numbers or uh, accounting and stuff like that. And like he started using Excel and like putting in data, tracking stuff. And now he's like a genius and like yeah, uh, baseball analytics and knowledge and stuff like that. It's, it's absolutely crazy. So uh, very similar. What kind of a uh, what kind of a? Uh, so I do improv and theater. So this uh, program is part of Planet Ant. Uh, podcast network, uh, part of Planet Man Theater. I do improv and sketch comedy. I write stuff there. Uh, I have another show that I'm producing called Kumquat Corner. So it's like a CNN parody show. 
Oh, cool. And with like a weekend news update from an SNL type of thing like that. So I work gotcha. with a bunch of people doing that. So I'm just kind of curious, like what kind of stuff were you into uh, theater wise? Uh, yeah. So I, for a while it was, um, I had a theater company called Agrocrag based off the old Nickelodeon uh, television show. Uh, and it was all create your own work. So um, one of the final projects that we had to do at NYU was create like a 45 minute play. Um, and I came up with one and we started doing it. We produced it down in uh, Brooklyn for a little while. Um, and then we took it to Philadelphia and kind of toured with it for a while. So uh, for a while, we were just kind of creating our own work. Whatever we thought was a fun topic to kind of discuss, we were kind of delving into. Um, the, the thing that I was most passionate about was absurdism. Uh, I have a Samuel Beckett tattoo from Waiting for Gatto in my right arm. I was just absolutely obsessed with kind of like all the theater of the absurd stuff, all the Eugenie and Esco I could get my hands on. I just thought was absolutely fascinating. Um, uh, so I tried to do as much of that as possible in, in theater school. Um, and then after that, whatever gig I could really book, you know, anything that I, anything that I could get in New York City, I was kind of all about. Um, we did a few debuts and then I started doing a lot of like uh, shows. There was one show called The Awesome 80s Prom, which was like this kind of wild show that was uh, improv based. So you had a character and every character was a different trope from an 80s movie. The jock, the nerd, yeah. the you know, whatever. Uh, and you would uh, you were at a prom and you were interacting with the audience. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then started my own sketch group called Uncle Function, uh, which is still going now, which is really great. And uh, they're still kicking, yeah. which is awesome. And they're, they're, they're just kicking butt. Um, so, yeah, we, we, you you know, just kind of like when you're when you're you know you you know you you've done stuff in the industry. When you're an actor, and especially when you're living in New York City, if you're if you're not making your own work and you're not doing things, you're you're not working. You know, you got to be doing the as best as you can to to um, stay active and keep your name out there and and try and make a name for yourself in your own way. Um, and that's that's true more than ever. You know, one of the reasons why I left the industry is because it's all about content creation. You know, that one I had a meeting at a prominent agency and they said, well, let's take a look at your YouTube. Let's take a look at your Twitter. Let's take a look at your, you know, this and that. And uh, there are so many ways for you to be creating content right now. And the people who are in charge of that industry want you to be creating that content. That's so you can kind of do the brunt of the heavy work and they can take advantage of it once you get a following. But still, uh, it's a good time to be creating your own content. So if people are listening to it or interested in doing that, there's no better time than the present to start creating it. The biggest, the biggest fear is the one that you have yourself. You know, the biggest fear is, am I going to fail? Am I not going to be good enough? Am I not going to be funny enough? Am I not going to be smart enough? Um, you're, this is an, an, an industry predicated upon failure. You know what I mean? To, to quote Samuel Beckett, it's try again, fail again, fail better, right? And if you don't get to fail better, then you never even started in the first place. So it's really just about like just kind of getting started, right? Trying to find your own voice, figuring out what your influences are, and then not doing your best to emulate them, but kind of putting them into one melting pot and figure out how you can take the next steps in your own voice using the things that inspire you. I think you just gave like five improv classes. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's actually funny. I used to teach create your own. I know I've never talked about this on any podcast. I used to teach create your own work to teenagers in the city. Uh, and it was one of my favorite classes to teach. I used to, I was, it was uh, at a camp called Socapa. Uh, that I went to and then started teaching at and then became the head of the acting program there for a little while. Uh, and I used to teach it to 16 to 18 year olds. And it was so funny, right? Because uh, you're, you're a high school teacher. I am a high school. Yep. So then you, you, you have this experience. It's so funny. You know, kids who are in high school are incredibly opinionated and they're incredibly passionate and they really feel a particular way. Right. But when you give them a stage and you say, OK, cool, 
Tell me everything you want to say, right? Give me every opinion you've ever had. Make a piece about it. Oh, I can't do that. You know what I mean? Like there's so much pressure on them to succeed, right? There's pressure on them from their parents to get into a good college. There's pressure on them to do a good test. So there's that back and forth between them of like, I really want to express myself, but I really don't want to look like an idiot. You know what I mean? So uh, uh, it is so fun to kind of try and imbue in them a sense of, Hey, man, like the sooner you find your voice, the sooner you're willing to look like an idiot, the better you're off you're going to be. You know, I look like an idiot every day. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You have to get you. I I used to I would say I used to drink a decent amount as Mm -hmm. like in my early 20s and stuff like that, because I didn't feel comfortable, I would think, in a social setting. I needed to like let loose because I I was worried maybe what people thought about me and stuff like that. And I think uh, improv is one of the things that really helped me get over that fear and understand the like just be you and you can't control everything, right? Like, you know, it is what it is. Just do what you can. And you are like improv taught me how to fail. I mean, I played sports and two, and I come with, I came with like, so I came the opposite. I didn't do any theater until I was 25 or six or something like that, or seven, I was playing sports and all that kind of stuff or whatever. So uh, when I did improv, I thought everybody was going to be like brand new. A lot of people were like, are you in theater and all, like all this other stuff or whatever. But I kind of brought, I felt like a more team atmosphere. I feel like sometimes what I see, and maybe not to trainer, I think they do a pretty good job in the community of being like cohesive, but it could get very competitive in uh, some of these places. And I like the team aspect. I think if I'm gonna, I, I would rather succeed with more people together than I'm like just by myself personally. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I totally hear you. And I think, you know, a relationship to, Failure is very ongoing. You know what I mean? It's something that constantly evolves every year, but you're with your relationship to failure. But it's like if you're willing to kind of embrace it and, and embrace that kind of fear, which is, of course, easier said than done. You know, it, yeah. it's not easy to just get up and be willing to do that. But theater is a great way to do that. There's a reason, you know, it, it can be such a cathartic experience. And then once you get over that first hump of not really caring about what other people think, it's you want to keep doing it. Yeah. And uh, I would similar to baseball, right? Failure rates and stuff like that baseball i mean you're 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 the best if you could hit like 350 at a net right so yeah you're you've accepted failure in an aspect of that so i think i i love coaching sports because i think it teaches life lessons like that like uh you got to get you got to be able to fail and accept it move on and try to get better like you said uh, i forget the quote exactly you said it better but uh Mm. yeah you know uh it's just part of life and so i love teaching sports um but something that i i'm trying to do is like i've learned how to do podcasting i've had to learn how to do the video stuff now that we went like coach i wanted to do this stuff already but the covid situation kind of like forced it on me right which is sure teaching i had to like learn different aspects of teaching how to use google classroom a little bit more like i knew some of it but now i had to like indulge in it and create more content or assignments whatever i call it content too yeah. that goes, like video assignments all this other stuff sure um but i'm trying to like i want to bring this stuff and teach the kids like i have fun when I'm like teaching other people things and I, I see their excitement. So we, I brought an improv program, uh, the Detroit creativity project, which is, nice. uh, uh, what's his name? There's a fa- it's a famous actor. I'm forgetting they've done like, Oh man. Like, if, I feel so bad. I should know. No, no, no. Uh, what's he in? Mark Evan Jackson. Mark Evan Jackson. Do you know who Mark Evan Jackson is? I don't know. I don't, look, I'm sure He's if I see his face. Look, yeah, probably. I'm a face person. Uh, but he's on uh, the good place. He was on Brooklyn. Oh yeah. 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 Like a, so he's from Detroit area. Uh, but yeah, so he runs like a whole, uh, so they 
teach improv like inner city schools for like free basically and stuff <clears> like that so that's i great. worked at a yeah i worked at covenant house which was like an alternative ed school in detroit we took like students it was like a last chance program basically we had like students who were like homeless and like so much and they like came in and like the students loved it it was just great and like it was just so crazy to see. I you because like when you're doing improv, the best or you, a lot of it comes from like self or like personal experience, right? Kind of like things that you kind of like live through or you know about. And so we had like students like, all right, you're in a kitchen, like the the, the uh, you're in an environment of a kitchen. You know, put one object, start messing with like one object in the kitchen, it's like opening the fridge, popping up the microwave. There was a student who like, there was no food. Nobody had any food in like the kitchen it was just like it was just weird to see the environment that they see and it was like oh my god but you understood a little bit about them where they were like coming from and so i i just love it i love teaching i thought epic theater was great i wish i would have done it when i was i wasn't i was too scared like you were talking about like the whole failure and the ego thing and looking stupid in front of people and i wish i would have just done it but completely, i don't know how did you lose your ego or like when did you did you notice that kind of like okay or was it ever there did you have an issue with that yeah i got lucky because you know my 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 family is um we make fun of each other all the time you know what i mean so it's like you know i have an older brother who's 10 and a half years older than me and a sister who's eight years older than me and and that was such a big part of, of growing up you know it was kind of getting ragged on by by your brother and sister so you know i i was kind of kind of used to that and but you know it, it still happens every day you know you, uh, the people who go to NYU for theater, a lot of them are, are similar in that, you know, they were the, the best actor in their high school theater program. And then, you, you know, you come to New York and you're, you know, you're just a, I remember Richard Kind, who's a, you know, a character actor and he was on Spin City. He came into the Atlantic Theater Company where I was studying and he they would had talks with actors every Friday. And he said, if you're, uh, if you're a guy, get out of the acting industry. And if you're a, a woman, really, really, really get out of the acting industry. You know what I mean? And we were a freshman at NYU. We had paid $60,000, $65,000 to be there. You know what I mean? And here was an actor who had, oh. had success telling all of us to stop what we are doing right now. You know what I mean? And, and that also, you know, in one way you think, oh boy. And the other way you think, no, I'm going to do this. I, I can do this. You know what I mean? Um, and then certainly it, it wears down on you. And, you know, the people that I respect some are the, the most of my friends, you know, I obviously respect a lot of my friends, but the people who I, I just admire are the people who are still in the industry because, you know, that profession is one that is constantly discussed in, in film and in plays about like, oh, he's the struggling actor. And in some ways it minimizes it. But um especially at a time like now, not knowing when the next paycheck is going to come, not knowing when you're going to book a gig. And then the things that are out of your control, right? I lost gigs because the, the person that they wanted to cast as my older brother was a little bit shorter than me and they wanted to go with him a little bit more. So as a result, they couldn't work with me. Yeah. You know, it's just, and that, that, that's how it happens. And the sooner you realize that it's not a personal thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not them saying, yeah. Hey, we, you're not really a good actor. It's, it's like, Hey, it's the it is, it is a profession built on optics and the optics mm -hmm. aren't going to go so um if you have an ego it, it's it will humble you quite quick it will humble you quite quick. yeah yeah i think about my uh a couple of my first like auditions and stuff <laughs> so bad yeah like, I, in my mind i thought I'm like that might have went all right and i was like now that i'm like removed farther away i'm like oh my god that was no wonder why you know like i understand like you know, you're disappointed when you get a no and a rejection and stuff like that. But yeah, of course. Uh, 
but it's good that you also, it's also good that you felt that way at the time too. You know what I mean? Like we're, we deal with so much failure and rejection all the time that it's actually pretty good to be like, Oh, you know, Hey, I think, I think that went well. You know, you need to have like some positive reinforcement yeah. somewhere. Yeah. 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 To keep going, right. You gotta have hope and like, believe it. You don't want to be like, Oh, I suck. And just like get down out of yourself. Cause it's so easy to do that. Right. And just kind of like, all right, I'm done. I quit and not go back to it. Like I, I, I can, I see that a few from a few people. Like, uh, I just haven't seen a router. I was like, all right, uh, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, and then, but once I did make it, it was such more, almost more gratifying too, right? Because like the weight and the work, like if I got like uh, bet on like a home team or something like that for improv, like two, three years before I did, I don't know if I would have appreciated as much and what, I don't know, I just like maybe got to my head, maybe I would have got all too much, like who knows? So I, I do believe everything kind of happens for, you know, like a reason and stuff sure. like that. And, um, high type make it easier to like, you know, make sense of it all and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, so yeah. Uh, I've been rejected. I was not any good, you know, like started, I had no experience, and, but you have to go through that. And I think it's like, uh, it humbles you. Like you said, like hum- humility is like a, a hell of a drug. I don't know. This makes you like, you know, like, okay. And yeah, because um, you live through it. You know what I mean? You, it, it's, it's not the end of the world. It feels like it at the time, you know, you get the rejection and you're there like, you well, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not talented enough. I'm wasting my time. There are people who are better than me. I'm never going to get my shot. Um, you've got enough of that on yourself all the time. You know what I mean? So, you know, and so it's, you know, and it's okay to feel those things. Sometimes it's okay to take a deep breath and, and accept that. And as long as you wake up the next day and you keep trying, it's very like Sisyphusian, right? It's roll the rock up the hill and then it rolls back down again, but then you got to keep rolling it. You know, you just got to keep doing it. And as a child, I wouldn't have like believed this. Like when I was younger, like I wouldn't like, I was like, you said, like these kids are better than me, right? Like I'm never going to probably be better than them. And, uh, like I think about when I, cause I grew up playing hockey and before high school, like I was trying out for teams. I didn't, I didn't make a few teams. Like I didn't make a few travel teams. I was on a crappy travel team for a little while, but I kept playing. I played a ton of roller hockey, like during my summers and stuff. And by the time I, like my senior year, like I was playing kids that like were way better than me when I was young, but now that we're like, I, so like, I know what change can happen after like in a couple of years. So like, that's what motivates me coaching. It's like, I know that I could push these kids or these kids can push themselves. I, it's not me doing it, right? You gotta, you gotta want to motivate yourself. You gotta do it yourself in the end. But to teach them that, or show them like this, you can do it. But small steps and progress, and uh, so I, I just didn't understand that when I was a kid. Like I just wanted to be good, like right away, and not work at. It. I just wanted to play, and uh, I didn't appreciate running. Are you a runner at all? I, you know, with a name like fast, you kind of have to to do it. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, I, I used to be, I used to do like half marathons and stuff and, and, uh, cross country, but not as much anymore. Okay. I hated running. I played <laughs> hockey. I played soccer. I played baseball. I played tennis. I just wanted to play. I hated yeah. like the practicing aspect of it and stuff like that. And I think that's a, maybe that's a little bit of a culture difference of Western philosophy versus like Eastern philosophy. Sure. Uh, a couple of friends of mine, Eastern philosophy, like, they, the parent, they talk about like their parents, like trying to like appreciate the struggle or like the moment that you're like, you're doing the work, not just like the celebration or the game or whatever, but like be in the moment of like mm-hmm. the practice, stuff like yeah. that. So I think, I think there's a little bit of a different philosophy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, going back to baseball, uh, do you, oh, so my very first episode uh, that I did fumble around. I took this over from another gentleman, but my first episode was about how I wanted 
shorter baseball season, and I wanted seven double headers with seven inning games, or even mm-hmm. a seven inning game in general, because I felt like I didn't think we needed to play that many innings or games. And I had all these different reasons. So I'm excited to see the Tigers had their first double header. They lost both of them, but seven inning games. What's your thoughts on that? Seven inning games. Yeah, I think it, I think it's perfect for this season. I think it's awful for fantasy, especially in points leagues that yeah. reward you for complete games and and shutouts. It's a nightmare, uh, and yeah. and it's really drastically affecting that. I think you know. I I think I don't know how I feel about it in the long run. I'm definitely kind of a baseball purist, and that like I don't think yeah. the game like necessarily needs to change that much. I don't know how I feel about like the the relief pitcher rule. Like I understand it. I'm very against like banning the shift. I think that there's like there is an element of strategy there. I'm also like I I, I definitely hear arguments of like. Hey man, like baseball used to be a lot more contact heavy and a little bit more fun because I, I when when we had nothing to watch, I was watching the KBO and the KBO is yeah. fun, man. The KBO is a yeah. lot of fun. And anyone who watches MLB and thinks like I miss like hits, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I miss non-home yeah. runs. Like the KBO is perfect for them. Um, they, yeah, they go use ahead. the same ball. They, uh, no, they, they use a different ball. ball. It's uh, so. Or go ahead. They dejuiced it. <laughs> The, the KBO came out and was like, okay, that, that oh. ball was a little bit juiced. Yeah, the KBO is is awesome. Like, the okay. KBO is I amazing. Thought, I thought you were saying the MLB said that, or they were, it was not juiced anymore. I was like, what? Uh, no, no, no. I feel like there's like a couple balls that look like they should have been like pop flies that reached the fans. So. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on the MLB front, but on, on KBO, is like, it, I just, they have so many kind of like, their approach to the game is like, it's so funny. The biggest, the biggest attractor, I think, for people who want to watch the KBO is obviously the time, right? No one wants to be up at three o'clock in the morning and watch it, or five thirty in the morning and watch a baseball game. But it is so many of the things that the people who complain about baseball, it, the KBO has, right? Contact oriented, not necessarily three true outcome baseball. Quicker pace of games. Guys bat flipping left and right and going absolutely crazy. Personalities out the wazoo, like some of the wackiest dudes you're ever going to see. Crazy ugly swings, crazy beautiful swings. Like pitchers wearing like you know crazy stuff. Like it is so much friggin' fun, and I, I hope people continue to catch on and watch it. How come that doesn't catch on in like the MLB? Like I don't want to say showing up, but like fast, but like you can't like celebrate almost without like upsetting the pitcher or the other team and stuff like that. I I think we might start to see in the coming years a kind of shift. You know, some of the younger people who are playing don't seem to be as um, enamored with the older style of baseball. Right? It's the old hats in the game right now. You know, the like the the um what was his name? The old catcher for the Braves. It was always super angry about it. Um, uh, not, uh, not what's his name? Not Tyler flowers. Um, uh, McCann, I think it was Brian McCann. Oh, um, Brian McCann. Uh, I, I think he was, uh, pretty, you know, not uh, against that, but then there's guys like Amir Garrett, who is really into it. The, the relief pitcher for the yeah. Reds. And then there's of course guys like Tim Anderson, who's flipping his bat, like absolutely crazy, which is, which is super cool. Um, so I, I think as we, as we move forward, people will realize that it really doesn't have anything to do with like, I'm better than you. I don't think, I think it's truly, at least in the KBO, it's more like I just hit a ball 400 feet. Like I'm going to flip this bat, man. Like I I just did something impossible and it's both ways. You know what I mean? I love when Amir Amir Garrett like fist pumps when he comes off the mound. You know what I mean? Like I want to see that. And to be honest, like 
in my opinion, in the long run, it's really good for the game. You know, the NBA does NBA does a lot of things really, 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 really well. But one of the best things it does is it gives you a good sense of the personalities of the players that you're watching. And yeah. as a result, you start to root for those personalities, right? And in, in a league where cleats are uniform and uniforms are uniform, you know, it's it's uh, um you know, Andrew McCutcheon said it best, right? When he was talking about, you know, for an organization like the Yankees, you're shaving your your beard, you know what I mean? And there isn't that sense of, you know, you're, you're not going to get like a, uh, a Dustin May. You're not going to get like a dude who looks like kind of crazy, yeah. you know, the baseball personalities yeah. that we love so much. So I hope it embraces moving forward yeah. that that Donnie individualism. Damon. Yeah, Donnie Damon, Damon. Right there, the beard and Garrett uh, Cole, so yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So they're very strict over there. Uh, but yeah, I just like, I mean, I like the celebrations a little bit. Like you said, like you did something like not many people could do. Like then you're supposed to, like if you don't want to celebrate, that's cool. Like mm -hmm. I like Barry Sanders. He just touched down and hand the ball to the ref, right? Like he's like, I've been here before. But like, don't be upset. Somebody like, it is what it is. Like if you don't like it, do something about it. Like I'm in the game sense, like not like fighting or anything, but like get him out. I don't know what to tell you. And think about some of the big, yeah, exactly. And think about some, you know, some of the biggest moments in the past couple of years that the, was, was the Joey Batista bat flip. You know what I mean? It's something that people remember where they were when they watched that game. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing in football, right? Like remember when Terrell Owens went and shook the cell phone out of the, you know what I mean? Like, or the, the, the Cowboys, the star, you know, like there are so many celebrations, a hundred percent. There's so many celebrations like that, that are just like, Oh man, this is this is absolutely amazing, and I, I think uh, you know. Hopefully, we see it move in that direction. I think it could be a lot of fun. I want to see like Chappelle show stuff. If you remember that, where like they're like the sports, like they're like ridiculous stuff. Yeah, so yes. that's what I want. To <laughs> yeah, anything, and and to be like, I would love to see stuff like that. Like, it's crazy, but I think it's. I don't know if it's the KBO or the NPB that does like these. These athletes are freaks of nature. You know what I mean? Like, I want to yeah. see competitions at the All-Star game that are, like, pitchers trying to knock off, you know, bottles from, like, you know, something. Like, so, yeah. I, I want to see the craziest stuff. I want to see the bunt competition that they do in the NPB or in the KBO. Like, I want to see, I think what they do is they set up, like, a huge bullseye at three different sections, and you have to try and bunt it into a particular area of the bullseye. And it's like, yeah, the Home Run Derby is really fun. The All-Star game, I think it's, like, whatever. Uh, but I think yeah. there are so many more fun things that we can be doing to showcase how incredible yeah. these people are. Yeah, right? Accuracy, speed, power. Like, I mean, they already do power with home runs. But, like, uh, yeah, there's, like, different aspects of the game that should be highlighted. Rather totally. Than just like, well, didn't, uh, didn't the NHL start doing it at their All-Star break? Like, kind of more fun games at the All-Star break? Yeah, I mean, they already had some of the stuff, but yeah, they like added on to it because I think they realized like that's what people want to see, right? Like, like you said, like the All Star Game, it was cool that they are they still making it worth the home field advantage, or is that over? No, it's over. That's over. That made it somewhat competitive, I guess, but like, I don't think a lot of players care because they probably didn't think like it would matter to them in the end or whatever. But like, the game doesn't really matter, you know what I'm saying? So it's hard to like, it's like playing fantasy baseball for free. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to put the same effort in. Yeah, compared to like, the league, I'm putting a lot of money in stuff. And I've I've been fortunate enough just through work to be able to go to a few of them, and I'm extremely fortunate to have that opportunity. But when you're there, the atmosphere is electric. The atmosphere at the Home Run Derby is is truly fantastic, and the atmosphere at the beginning of the All Star Game is amazing because you can't believe all these people are on the same field. But at the seventh yeah. inning of an All Star Game, no one in the stands is like, "I gotta know what happens at the end of this game." Yeah, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. It's it's a different atmosphere, you know. So and that, yeah. that might not be a problem that we can solve, but like, yeah, maybe there's some more fun things that we can add. For sure. Uh and I don't think people respect athletes sometimes because they're like, oh, they're just gonna play baseball. Like these are like full-time jobs. Like these are like these guys are working out and like like this isn't diets are important now. Like these are like some of the best, like you know, baseball doesn't get the credit maybe as like football players do and stuff like that, but like these guys are way better athletes now than they were like in previous decades and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Like the, the amount of work and science and the teams behind them, right? Like we have like dry, uh, driveline, like you're talking, like there's like even like organizations that we're going to and all this technology that they're using now. And I think baseball is like perfect for like, cause it's a numbers game, right? Everything's yeah. like, it's like all less than zeros in the end and stuff like that. Do you play daily fantasy at all? Uh, I actually can't because of work. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're not allowed to do any uh, any of the DFS stuff if you're an MLB employee. So I stay as far away from it as possible. Nice. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I've been in that a little bit more uh, since I'm not so much in like the home league and stuff like that. But I do pretty well. But again, like it's like there's so much that goes into a thought, like picking players and stuff like that. The analytics, you know, there's the home away. You can look at righty versus lefty. Sometimes sure. there was a guy, I want to say it was Todd Frazier, maybe was going to, no, top traders on the team. John Jay had like a really good uh, average versus Lance Lynn, right? I had Lance Lynn as my pitcher, but I want to pick John Jay because I saw his like stats. He was playing, he like hit really well. So there's just like, and then there's like the mental aspect of players and stuff oh like that. Oh my God, yeah. You know, just there's so much coming into like the decisions of players when I collect them and stuff. The organization who I trust more so, you know, I don't trust Tigers necessarily. Uh, like bringing up players all the time. Uh, yeah. I don't think they have the best farm system or the best, uh, you know, we were really good at major league level and having that talent be good, but our minor league systems have never been really good at like producing top players. Uh, Nick Castellanos was supposed to be like our seat, you know, like that next guy just to add on to our greatness. And he never really lived up to the hype here. I feel like he's doing much better when he went to Chicago. He killed mm-hmm. it. And now in Cincinnati, I see, I just, I just feel like he's, I don't know. I don't know. And he was unlucky too, right? He was one of the more unluckier. Yeah. And I, I think are you definitely one of the more unlucky ones. And I also think he's someone that like, he, he insists on playing the field, but he's such a subpar defender that, and he never really had an opportunity where he could just be a DH because of V Mart. And then because of Miguel Cabrera. Um, and then of course going to Chicago and not being able to DH there. And I think he is still playing right field in Cincinnati, but Cincinnati, he's also just in a fantastic park for his power. You know, Comerica took away a lot of his home runs and turned him into doubles or outs. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, it, it's a shame. It, it, it is a shame. Um, but then to your credit, you know, sometimes, you know, organizations, know what their strengths and weaknesses are know how to exploit them you know what i mean and like think about the braves you know truest park is essentially built for freddie freeman you know he, he's just a monster in that park uh, and guys yeah. know how to take advantage of stuff like that and it's tough to do in a park like comerica yeah uh i, I wish i wish he would have done better here he just never you know he did all right he wasn't bad he, oh yeah he, just seemed like he was hitting it right at people like it'd be like a line drive and they just uh but you're, you're absolutely right. Like the power alleys that were too deep for him. And like, he just wasn't, you know, when Cincinnati and Wrigley field, the shorter porches there and uh, turn yep. more home runs. And sometimes just being around certain players, right. Their energy, like going, just going into that lineup with Rizzo and Bryant and Schwarber, like you're going to be hyped in the playoff run too. Right. That's also yes. the mentality, right. Being created yeah. from a, a dead last team, basically to a tender, 
you know, you're going to get hyped up. So, like, that's a big part of fantasy I'm always watching, too. Like, you know, who gets traded at the deadline. And if I think, mm. you know, if I see the positives. I remember Matt Holiday, like, getting him. Uh, like, he got traded, and I traded for him. And I think, was he traded to the Cardinals? Yeah. I believe. And it was, like, and people, because the guy wanted to get rid of him. Because, you know, leaving Colorado, you're like, all right. You know, like, yeah, of course. Have the same value. And he, like, killed it still. But I love Cardinals, too. I kind of feel like they sometimes are a team that get the best out of player. Not so much lately, I feel like, though. But they did have that uh, with them for a while. Yeah, they do um, seem like they're doing a, a bit more homegrown stuff with guys like Tommy Edmond. And then I know they acquired Tyler O'Neill from the Mariners. And But there are certain guys, like you said, that when organizations acquire them, you pay attention. If someone gets, you know, if, if the Rays acquire a guy, I'm interested. If the Dodgers acquire a guy, I'm interested. They might not be utilized every single day, but they're going to be utilized well. No, perfect team. That's it. Rays, Dodgers. I'm always not like, I got Yandy as last. I was waiting for that, but you know, like, mm-hmm. but I'm always going to give the Rays the benefit of the doubt because they've proven to me to make more out of last all the time. Yes. So you can usually find value within them. And they're always like willing to try new things. Um, I like them this year because I think they're kind of used to, the, you know, not many fans and stuff like that. So maybe, you know, like, yeah it it definitely could be that for sure i mean they also you know we got to see what happens to that staff i mean i know charlie morton's velocity is down a little bit blake snell's not going more than 50 pitches but they're so deep right glasnow you know chirinos um uh ryan yarborough brendan mckay you know the bullpen is lights out even with colin poche getting surgery and out for the year i mean they had a slow sluggish start and i think they'll be able to pick it up because you're right man they 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 just they can perform every year every year they can perform And they're like 60 deep. I feel like somebody does get hurt. Like they're not like relying on one or two guys. Like no, like Snell got hurt last year, and or he didn't. Was it, no, he yeah, he was hurt like? for a while last year, and then Morton stepped up and looked like a Cy Young candidate. And it was just yeah, it was always next guy up for them. Glass now got hurt for a while. Glass now that trade, I cannot believe Pittsburgh made that trade. Yeah, uh, for that was. But the Rays are always that's the difference between like the Rays and the Tigers. Like they get those deals that like they're waiting on, and like. I don't know how they do it. I don't know what they're doing differently, but Avila just doesn't seem to me to be able to. Dombrowski was always real at a deal, and he made he he won some good deals, but he like depleted our farm system in the, in doing that. Yeah, and then so, he went to to the Red Sox and did the same awesome. thing. Yeah. Did the same thing. And, yeah, I mean, he won a World Series there at least, so I would have taken a World Series. That would have been yeah. a little bit nice. Uh, all right, man. I appreciate coming on, Alex. Uh, is there anything else you want to shout out to you? Got anything else going on? Uh, yeah, we, I, I released a piece on Dylan Bundy today. So if you want to go check that out over at pitcherless.com, feel free to go check that out. It's a small sample size, just two starts, 12 innings, but it looks like he's making some exciting changes there. So I'm excited about that. You're excited, but also a little maybe depressed about it too. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's tough to see. It's tough to see yet another Orioles pitcher go from our organization to an organization where they're going to have some more success. And, uh, that is not great. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm happy that he's doing well. He was a top prospect. I know the Orioles were way down ahead. They're going to be a you know, B and A stuff, and just yeah. But it looks like. Uh, do you think that was more him or that organizational change? I think they're allowing him to because he's using the slider more a little bit, like in the beginning of the pitch count. Yeah, so he's using the slider a little bit more. He's increased his slider usage. It's a little bit. It's actually more than his fastball usage for the first time in his career history. Over, you know, it's happened every once in a while on a per start basis, but it looks like this is kind of here to stay. He's going more first pitch curveball, which is really exciting because guys don't swing at first pitch curveballs, especially when they're in the zone. 
Um, and so I don't know. I, I can't say, you know, I, as I say in the article, it's like, it's really convenient for me to sit back and be like, hey, how dare the Orioles not realize this? To be honest, who knows? You know, there are so many factors that could have gone into what happened there. I, I have a, still have a difficult time believing that guys like Mike Elias and Sig Meidel, who came over from the Houston Astros and had a lot of success there, wouldn't have that on their radar. So in my mind, there yeah. is something deeper that could have theoretically happened. So who knows? But all I can say is that it's it's awesome to see him start to hit that ceiling. That curveball is great. Yeah. That slider is a wipeout yeah. slider. The changeup is great. So I, I, I'm excited to watch him continue. He gets the Mariners tomorrow night. Yeah. Just as a human being, right? You just want to see someone who's like working hard to like be successful totally. and not, you know, so totally, totally get that. Even though you're not on your team, you're not going to like wish old like, oh, yeah, still suck. You know, yeah. 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 Uh, all right, man. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, sure. Take care. And uh, I will see you later, man. All right, man. Take care.